Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hello and welcome to After Extra Time, your footballing podcast. A lot of controversy, a lot of talks, and yes, a lot of Jacko and Jack disagreements. You're now <laughs> listening to episode 10, which is a great milestone for us after extra time. Hey, you can hear my other host in the background, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Alex Jackson. Hello, how are you? All right, mate. We've got a slight change in the uh, programme tonight, mate, with the, obviously Jack, who's meant to host tonight's session, who couldn't make it. Yeah. So, it's so now... that means the, uh, the chat's going to be poor then if Jack's not doing it. <laughs> well, no comment. <laughs> obviously, um, for the listeners out there as well, Jacko, we was obviously meant to have Mark Beard as well tonight, but we've actually cancelled because it wasn't fair if Jack wasn't on. Um, so tonight's yeah. just going to be a bit about, well, me and Jacko are just going to host it together. I'm going to have a good old chat about the recent fixtures, transfer news and other stuff, Jacko. Yep. So let's, let's crack it on, mate. You, you fire away, Jacko. Let's kick it off. Well, um, I think we have to talk about the, the Man City game first, to be yeah. fair. Um, I, I know, I think all three of us said that we'd, we'd seen Man City easily win that, yet... Obviously, last night um, we were proved wrong quite handsomely by Leon. What, what did you make of the game? Um, Man, I thought, Man, like you said at the start, man, I thought Man City were going to walk away at this game. And I never really had a funny yeah. feeling Leon would do them over. I know they beat you, though. That was over two legs. And I just thought, yeah. over one leg, Man City are probably the, a good team for over one leg. But yeah. obviously, yeah, it backfired, mate. And, I mean, the players didn't even look good. I thought Sterling missed a sitter, which I don't know how he missed. Yeah. Uh, and fully deserved for Leon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think there were, there were a lot of questions after last night about Guardiola's tactics and how he set mm. up. Um, there were a lot of question marks about his team selection as well. The fact that you know, Bernardo Silva, Mares, David Silva um, were all left on the bench. What? What do you make of it? Do you think he should have stayed with how they'd gone for the majority of the season? Or do you think he was right to change it to sort of 
counter the main reason why they went 3-4-3 was to counter Leon's wing-backs. I think they should have kept it as it is, mate, to be honest. I mean, you start mm. fucking about all these formations, mate. I don't think they've really tried that formation, have they, in, in the league, from what I'm aware. No. It's a gamble, um, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think... I think... Well, I'm trying to remember back to the semi-final against Arsenal. I don't know if they played that sort of way because that's the sort of formation that Arsenal can yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, there were a lot of question marks. I, I, I think he could have done things slightly differently. I probably would have started um, maybe either Bernardo Silva or Mares down the right and had uh, De Bruyne in the middle with uh, either Gundogan or um, Rodri. I think one of the things that I was frustrated with was the the way that Leon played. Um you know, there's a lot of going down, a lot of uh, appealing with the referee that plays should have been carded. Yeah. Um, just, it just smacked of the Liverpool Atletico Madrid game uh, back at um, when Liverpool went to Atletico. Mm. That uh, they were more focused on trying to frustrate and wind up Manchester City players than playing yeah. football. You know, um, I know they got lucky with with some pretty poor defending at times by Man City, um, especially, I think, for the first and second goals. I think had they probably played a back four, I think both of those would probably have been offside yeah. before they'd even got close to the goal. Um, I think Sterling, and to be fair, Jesus had a really good chance just before yeah. Yeah. that. Well, um, where if he connects with that, that's that's 2-1. And then all of a sudden, Leon are on the back foot. Whereas I think it before, um, well, just after Jesus missed that, then obviously I think they went down the other end anyway yeah, sure, sure. with Dembele first. Um, and then obviously you had Sterling's miss, and then Leon went down the other end uh, to make it three. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I took from the game. I mean, how did you feel? Do you feel that the sort of way that Leon went about it was just sort of frustrating? Yeah, I think that. I Wind think up. You, you hit it on the head, mate. I think they're just trying, like you said, a, a game plan, and it seems to have worked. I mean, it's a bit similar game plan as what they played against Juve, really. Um, and again, that yeah. worked. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying there now, mate. Guardiola has never got past the quarter-final stage with Man City, which no. is incredible. Um, I think they've made, managed to make the semi-finals once, but I can't remember if it was under Pellegrini or uh, Mancini. I think it was under Pellegrini, yeah, because the four years that Guardiola's been yeah. there, they got to the round of the uh, round of sixteen, yeah. and then they had three consecutive quarter-final. Yeah, defeats. which isn't, isn't good enough, mate. In, in, in my eyes, a team like Man it's it's not. No, see, I agree with that, but I think it's because of the fact of the amount of money that they've got behind them that they've not produced the results mm. that they've needed. And obviously, I know you touched on it um, last mm. week. That if if Pep didn't win the Champions League, uh, is he under pressure? And uh, I don't know. I think maybe now, especially with the way that the game had ended, I think if he played his strongest mm. side, and they'd been a lot more confident about playing playing their mm. game, and then they lost to Leon, then I think yeah, you could probably say it was a fair yeah. result, and and the better team know, won, sort of thing, and the better team won. Whereas last night, it was a case of 
one one team was just winding another one up, and the other one just didn't want to play yeah. football. Um, I think, I, I, me personally, I, I'd noticed De Bruyne a lot. I thought he, him and Sterling had really good games, but then I think Sterling's game would have been a lot better had he scored that yeah. chance. Yeah. Um, I think, but then again, obviously, they had a really good chance within the first sort of two minutes that, that Marcelo, the, the Leon centre back, had managed to block because if Sterling gets that ball to Jesus, that's 1 0 to Man City and, and Leon are already on the back yeah. foot. Whereas I think once that had happened, Leon had their confidence that, well, we can actually defend against this lot. I thought Denier was actually the, the best out of the three at the back for Leon yeah, last night. Yeah. Um, but then I think because he's ex-Man City, I think he had a point to prove. Yeah. I think he wanted to show him this is what you could have had. And, and then obviously it sort of reinforces the fact that Man City have been a bit poor with their defensive signings. Yeah, I think that's um, something they've got to definitely look at. I mean, we'll touch on it later with some transfer news and stuff, but Mate, I'll still, yeah. I'll still touch back on what I said previously about Guardiola under pressure. And I, and I think now he, he's definitely mm. under it, mate. I mean, for me, if I was a City fan, this would be a poor season. I mean, they've won the Carabao Cup, which everyone classes yeah. as the Mickey Mouse Cup. So, oh, we're not bothered. And yeah. now, the Man City class that has a Mickey Mouse Cup. I mean, Mancini, mate, and Pellegrini, probably done just as good as what Pep's done. So it's like, mm. well, they got the boot, but are they going to get rid of Pep? Or is it is a massive name in the footballing world, what they can't sack him? Pep is one of those massive names, and he's got success where, wherever he's gone. Um, the question is, if you're Man City and their owners, who do you bring in? Yeah, well, that is a good shout. You know, you've, you've got, you know, Pochettino, but, but then... The way I look at it is, you've got to look at how Man City have done things. Mm. Man City have gone about in a business, whether or not you agree, I don't mm. know. But man, to me, Manchester City have gone out and bought the players they've needed. And if they have one, maybe two of the youngsters that they think could be beneficial to the first team, they've played yeah. them. Whereas all the other youngsters have either gone out on loan or not bothered or, or been sold. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I I think if if Man City were to have a change of manager, are they going to want to stick with a, a guy that's similar to the setup that they've got now, where they go and buy the players they need, or are they going to look at trying to develop the youngsters? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I now, mean, mate, touching on that, I mean, uh, it comes across like they're signing the older players. Just to, it looks like to me like the signing players just to get them through that season, where they could bring the youngsters yeah. through, and they've got a great manager there with Pep who could probably bring the youngsters through, like Foden. But it seems like they're buying older yeah, players. But, but I think the problem, and my, my, me and my dad were discussing this, I think with Pep, it's more about the team, not the individual. Yeah. So he goes to buy a, buy players that fit the team. He doesn't look to sort of... Um, he doesn't... There, there doesn't seem to be an indication that he wants to develop the youngsters. Yeah. And I see Mourinho a bit like that. Mm. Whereas maybe Solskjaer or, you know, there's a lesser extent, or Pochettino, they, they look at trying to use the youth, and Lampard to a certain extent yeah. as well. They want to sort of bring in the youth. And I think that's maybe where Arteta does things slightly differently to Pep as well, because I think he looks at the youngsters as well. Because mm. I think had, um, had Emery been there after the restart, I don't think we would have seen Saka. I don't think we would have seen Nelson. 
Um, I don't think we would have seen Willock. I don't think we would have seen Nketiah, yeah. whereas Arteta is prepared to give these guys chances. So I think, I think it depends on what the Man City ownership want for the club, whether they want quick success or they're prepared. If this is obviously a hypothetical, if Guardiola does mm. go, that they now look at the side of, well, maybe we, um, maybe we look at developing the youngsters that are at the club. Because there's, there's a kid there, Felix Correa, he's just gone to Juventus. Yeah. He's supposed to be one of the next big things um, out of Portugal. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you could have had someone there to potentially replace Mares or Bernardo Silva further down yeah. the line. Whether that happens or not, you don't know. But obviously, he can't now because he's gone to Juventus. Um, so, yeah, that, I just think if they're going to develop if they're going to want a new manager in, they have to find someone that they they have to figure out what they want from the team. In the if future. you had a chance, mate, and and let's say Pep did get the sack, who would you think would be up there with the names of the new manager? I think Poch is probably the the favourite. Um, I mean, I've got an outsider, which I fear he might bring the youngsters through, but I don't think they'll get a look in. Which you'd probably say Rafa, I would have thought. I was, I was thinking Rafa. But there was one what stood in my head, and I thought, is he good enough to go that level? Which was Eddie Howe. See, I don't think he yeah. is. I, I think, uh, you know, what he's done at Bournemouth by by no means is a remarkable yeah. job. The guy has bought that club from the brink of extinction, yeah. got them to the Premier League, kept them there for five five relatively good seasons. Obviously, this season's not been so good. Mm. But uh, as we've sort of discussed in the past about managers, his CV's not massive. Yeah. And it, you're, you, unless you're one of these players, the likes of Lampard, the likes of Arteta, if you haven't got the affiliation with those bigger clubs, you're probably not going to do it. Yeah. You'd have to prove yourself at somewhere, maybe say... Southampton or Everton mm. or Newcastle um, or Palace, you know, some sort of those mid-table Premier League sides that could have a good season. For example, like Burnley did when they, they had a good season, they got into Europe. Or they could have a mediocre season and finish mid-table. And you can sort of develop develop your sort of next level going up to the, the top six. Um do you feel? I mean, if he got so, yeah, the job checker, that he wouldn't bring the players wouldn't want to come in because of him in charge. I don't. I don't think he would be looked at in the first place. Mm. I really don't. Unless there's something you know, I, I can't see. Mm. I can't see Man City looking at Eddie Howe. It's a case where they're one of the richest clubs in football, so they're going to look at the best managers that they can bring in, the likes of Guardiola, the likes of Pochettino, for example, Diego Simeone. Uh, Zinedine Zidane if he was fed up with Real mm. you, you know some of these sort of managers I could see going to Man City but I couldn't see the likes of Eddie Howe going Could you see a return of Roberto Mancini I mean he's done a good job at Inter Well Conte's in charge oh, Sorry Inter, mate my he? mistake yeah he is um, um, Mancini I don't know I, I don't know I couldn't see it I think Mancini's had his stint um, whether or not you know I think at times Mancini had some issues to deal with off the field, mainly Mario Balotelli. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, we could throw every name in the hat, mate. It's one of these, isn't it? You could do. Uh, but at, at the minute, it's a case of Guardiola is at Man City. Um, I like I like Guardiola. I like what he's done. If it's just the fact that he's been at a top club, I, I think there's there's an attractive way that he plays football. Mm. Um you know, my, my dad sort of tongue-in-cheek said after what happened to Barcelona the other night that, you know, possibly Guardiola could go back to Barcelona. But I think with Barcelona, there is a lot yeah. there is a lot going on there for the negative side yeah. of it that that club needs to I, be looked at. I think at it's a rebuilding there. job. I mean, we'll move on to that in a minute. I mean, quickly, before we move on, yeah. mate, I mean, do you feel this was the best time for Man City to win the Champions League? I think it was one of the better opportunities they've yeah. had. Um, you know, and obviously the French teams, they've not played a lot. I think we, we discussed that obviously the winner of the Bayern-Barcelona game, I think, was going to be one of the favourites mm. to win it. Um, I, I think Bayern were going to be the big team to mm. stop. Um, I know uh, they've, obviously, Man City would have played them next had they beaten Lyon. Um, and I... I I think that would have been a tough game, and I possibly think Bayern may have may have edged mm. it. Um, but yeah, I, I think until Man City and and to a lesser extent Arsenal, I think Arsenal are in the same boat as this. If they need to get their defence sorted out, they they've got one maybe two good defensive minded players. There's a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done there. Is um, Nathan the right man for that, though? I, I mean, uh, again, not enough experience. I, 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 well, Nathan Aki was probably, uh, as I've said before, Nathan Aki was one of the best defensive players at Bournemouth mm. last season in a very poor side. I think if he's... And, and this is where it's sort of... This is where I think a stumbling block may be because Guardiola's there. Is Guardiola going to be able to develop Aki into that next thing? Mm. And I think I'd, at this moment in time, I definitely prefer Aki ahead of Stones and Otamendi because they're the two most likely that he would be partnering Laporte with next season. Obviously, Eric Garcia, um, I don't think he's done anything wrong, but I don't think he's ready to be part of that Man City side mm. yet. But because he hasn't got many options, he sort of had to rely on Eric Garcia. Yeah, I mean, I'm in two minds, mate. I don't know if he'll, he's either going to make the Aki the player we want him to, want him to or Aki yeah. might not get enough game time, mate, and he might he might drift out like stones. I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. So, so who, with Aki coming in, who is your... Who is your man? If Man United play their four-three-three formation that they normally yeah. do, who are your two centre backs for Man City next season? Oh, I would have Aki in there, and I would have Laporte in there. Yeah. The only thing that gets me is Guardiola, mate. Seems to like changing his squads about. Now, will we see Fernandinho in there with Laporte? Will we see? I don't know if Stone stays. Will he play in there, or, in, or Garcia, for example? You just you don't know what squad to pull out, Jacko, do you? The only reason I think he's had to put Fernandinho there is because he doesn't trust the reliability of Otamendi and Stone. Yeah, possible. Yeah. I think that's the only reason Fernandinho is playing as a centre-half. Yeah. Um, I think 
uh, he is getting on a bit now anyway. And so you'd probably get one, maybe two seasons out of Fernandinho. And if you have him in that holding role, that's probably his best position. I think he would be more confident in his back line if he was to play Ake and Laporte from minute one next season. Mm. But obviously the big question at the moment is because of the short turnaround between the end of the Premier League season and the start of the new one, is Aki going to be fit for the start of the season? Yeah. Um, I think that if if not, you know, you don't you don't know how long he's going to be out. I know they said two months. Um, you could probably get away with playing Garcia as, as um, sort of co-side Laporte, um, and then I think I think you could have him cover enough game time until Ake gets yeah. back, and then you play Ake and Laporte. I, I just think I think. Obviously, I think Stones, there's been a lot of media pressure on Stones to perform well. Mm. You know, he was sort of set to be the next big English centre-half. Then, obviously, every mistake that he made was highlighted to the nth degree. And almost certainly, that's that's got to put pressure on you as a player, that you're in the back of your mind, you've got to put every step right from minute one, yeah. otherwise you'd be slated. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe Stones leaving Manchester City and playing for Leicester, as the rumours that you'd obviously advised us that were, would probably be a good move for him. Yeah, definitely. I think if him and Stuyen at the back would make a very good partnership for Leicester. Mm. Yeah. I really do. Um, and especially if you've got the likes of Morgan and you've got Evans at the back as sort of back up to those two, I think it would help Stones with his confidence because obviously Morgan is Leicester's club captain. Uh, Johnny Evans has the pressure of playing for a big team Mm. and doing well. And I think if he's in the same sort of area that Stones is, he can help him get his confidence back to being able to be one of the, centre-backs that could play for a top four or top six side. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think Man City have to look at that in the near future. Um, I, I think, yeah, OK, Aki's, you know, there's one there's one there, but I, de- I definitely think you'd need two. Um, but I think you'd have to offload Ottomendi and Stones first in order to do that. Yeah, I, I can agree more, mate. Um, I mean, let's move on now to... The next game, what I know you like to talk about is Barca. Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure me, you or Jack never seen this scoreline coming. No. I, I, when you said you could see it happening sort of 3-4, yeah. I, I did sort of laugh it off because I could never envisage a performance like that. When I saw it on Friday and the fact that they were 4-1 down at half-time, I couldn't believe what I'd seen. Yeah. And then... For the exact same thing to happen in the second half mm. was just astounding. Yeah, I can't believe it either, mate. I thought, is this right or what? You know, you know. I know there were periods in the first half where Barcelona had had a couple of chances, but in that second half, they just they weren't there. They just disappeared. No, I mean, I've had this talk a few times. Uh, mate. I mean, Barcelona. I'm sure you agree are not the team they used to be. Um, players getting older. Um, 
So I, 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 won't, I weren't surprised they got beat, but I was surprised they got beat by what, what the scoreline was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely agree with that. I think, I, yeah, I was expecting a sort of tight yeah. game, two-one, maybe a three-two if you're having a, a bit of a, a sort of basketball feel to it, going down one end and scoring, and then the other team coming up the other end and scoring. But seeing it as eight-two was just, yeah, yeah uh, it was just stupid. But then obviously it begged, it, uh, it makes. Um, well, it brings a lot of questions to the table of, of what Barcelona do now. Yeah, well, I've just been reading, mate, you some know. breaking news coming up 36 minutes ago that Barcelona yeah. are sacking Kike on Monday and they're going yeah. to bring Cumin in to replace him. Ronald Cumin. Yeah. That's what he's just up here on 36 minutes ago is that, yeah, Cumin's coming over. I'm... Not surprised that they've sacked mm. KK. I'm surprised they've brought in Koeman. Mm. Um, with, I, I think we can both agree that his Everton stint wasn't the no, best. No. Um, his international has been outstanding, though. Yeah. Is he yeah. the man for the job? I mean, there's also talk uh, here. Uh, if, 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 his, if his international... Yeah. Um, Stats are better than his club. Does that not feel that he's a better international manager than a club I manager? Agree. Yeah. Because we, if if you have a look at international managers, they have them for a couple. Of, I think we discussed this mm. before. You have them for a couple of weeks every sort of four or five months. Mm. You don't have to do a lot of development on the field because you're there for a couple of weeks. So you'll go through the tactics of how you want to play, and you will pick your starting eleven out of twenty three. Mm for that, that those two games and then they go back again yeah. and they continue the development at their yeah, club. I totally agree. I mean, that, that, uh, it's exactly the same with uh, Chris Coleman at Wales. Outstanding manager for yeah. Wales. Not a very good club manager yeah. at all in my opinion. Well, I, he didn't do a bad job at mm. Fulham. You know, Sunderland, Sunderland was very difficult yeah. because Sunderland up until the new ownership came in, Sunderland was yeah. a mess. I mean, have you ever seen any of that Sunderland until no, I died? No, I've seen it advertised on Netflix, yeah. What, watch it, because you, you see what Coleman had to deal with at Sunderland. Mm. And it's a joke. It genuinely is a joke. You know, you had Jack Rodwell on Premier League wages in League One of the Championship, yeah. and he's not yeah. playing. And that's whether or not, because they don't want him to play, or he doesn't want to play, but you know, there were there were a lot of headaches off the field that Coleman had to deal with to try and get that side. You know, when he was managing in the championship, they hadn't won a game in a yeah. year. You know, and when your when your fans are down in the dumps because of that, anything that doesn't go well, mm. they're on your back immediately because. It's a case of oh here we go again. It's the same old story. Yeah. And I, I think, as I say, I think Coleman had a, a, a rough time of it. You know, I was surprised after the Wales gig that he went there. I was. Yeah. I really didn't think he he should have gone. I think he should have gone to maybe a stable Premier League club, and he probably would have done a lot better. And we probably wouldn't be having a discussion about whether or not Coleman's a good club manager. Um. So yeah, I, I think you've. As I'm sure you, as I said before, 
you've discussed it with Lee Clark. You sort of live and die by yeah, the sword yeah. when it comes to management. So I think Coman's got a lot. It's a similar. I think it's a similar position to Everton, really. That they, they had a lot of work to do. Yeah, a lot of transitions in it with that squad. Yeah, and I think Barcelona are in that period. I mean, they've got some very, very good individuals, you know, especially some of the youngsters coming through, the likes of uh, Ansu Fati and, and Nelson Tomato. Mm. Uh, you know, there, there is some promising talent that is slowly coming through. Mm. But it's a question of what do you do about Messi? What do you do about Suarez? What do you do about Griezmann? Usman Dembele, is he staying or going? The Coutinho question because that I, I, I'm not sure about you, but I found that hilarious that he comes off the bench yeah, and gets Bayern and gets two and sets yeah, up another yeah. against the team that he yeah. plays for. He's contracted yeah, to play mental, for. Isn't it? You know, so there, there's a lot of things that need to be sorted out. I mean, we, we can we can say, in, you know, in the obvious sort of situations that they've not been the same since Puyol, Javi and Iniesta mm. left. Because that, those three plus Messi, and so obviously you had Danny Alves, you had um, Valdez in goal, Abidal and you know, yeah, Abidal, you know that that side when all of them were there, un- ironically under Guardiola, was some of the best football I'd seen Barcelona play. Um, so yeah, there's there's a big. That there is a big question mark on what Kuman would be able to do at that. Yeah, club. I mean, I'm just reading, mate. Kuman's favourite, but then they've also uh, linked Pochettino in there, which is no shot. Yeah, uh, well, it isn't, but I don't think he will because he's an ex Espanyol player, mm. and obviously Espanyol and Barcelona are the sort of rival uh, rivals, mm. and I think there was a lot of discussion, especially when Pochettino was sort of finishing playing and, and going into his coaching side, that he was never going to manage Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, you bit that, mate, because they've got an article here saying the Argentine is in the running, but his appointment would not be a well-received by the fans due to his history no. as both a player and manager for local rivals Espanyol. Espanyol, yeah. So it, it was something similar to Lomas going to Millwall yeah. and uh, to a certain extent, so like McLeish going to Villa after he spent time at Birmingham. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and, and Lomas, Lomas touched on it once on a, a Goals on Sunday programme. He said that he was always in a disadvantage with the club because of the history of where he played. Yeah. Regardless of how he was going to do things and the, and the structure he was going to set out for the club, he was always one foot... He was always stuck with one foot in the door uh, because or out of the door because of the fact that he was a West Ham player at Millwall. Mm. Yeah, the, the fact that his performances weren't great just sort of solidified the fact that we didn't want him there in Perfect. the first place. Yeah, and so uh, I think Pochettino is a, is a quality manager, um, but it's a case of with with how passionate the Barcelona fans are about Barcelona, the uproar that would be there mm. if he was to go is is humongous. Um, but then I, I think it would sort of look a bit dodgy, you know, if Pochettino then all of a sudden said, yeah, I'd be interested in the Barcelona job. You're like, well, hold on, you've spent the last however long saying you would. Mm. 
Um, so that it begs the question of how much is he going to get paid by Barcelona as being the manager. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, obviously, Koeman's ex-Barcelona. Mm. He's a legend at the club. You know, they, they, they saw it already favoured favourable standings there. Mm. I just think with the amount of work that needs to be done at Barcelona, mm. uh, it, it's a tough ask for anyone to go into. Yeah, mate, I agree. I mean, there's a, the last person they've got linked with it is uh, a Barca legend again, Xavi. They want him from obviously he's in, at the minute in charge at uh, a Qatar side, Al Saad. Yeah, it's linked to him actually taking the job. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't know that much about no. uh, football out there to sort of comment on it. But whether or not it's a case that if it, there's a obviously a humongous gap between the two. Yeah, it's a bit like Arteta's role, uh, isn't it? If if Chabi comes in, well, I would say, I would say it's not mm. because obviously Xavi's not been at Barcelona mm. under Kike. Yeah, yeah. I think had it been, and you sort of, and then he goes in, you, you've got a case, or, or for example, he was at, I'm trying to think of one of Barcelona's non-rivals, but if he was at a big club under, you know, in the same sort of situation, I'd say, so then yeah, you could probably see it, but because he's been managing in a, a part of the footballing world that isn't favourably looked on because their teams aren't that great. You know, it would be a massive jump. Um, but obviously, he knows the club so well. He's, you know, he's, he's idolised there. It would probably give him a good chance to sort of get the crowd on the side. But if he has a poor start, mm. you know, is he going to be able to see out the season? And I, I think we touched on it. Obviously, I mentioned about it last Monday that Juve, PSG, Real, Barcelona. They see their league titles as a minimum, and yeah. if they don't win the Champions League, they're in they're in massive um, uh, they're, they're in massive problems, and therefore they're going to get rid of their managers and try and bring someone in to replace them. Yeah. So, I mean, both both Spanish teams, uh, Mayo and Barca, are not the teams they used to be. So they both hold pressure. No. Yeah, I I think the problem is. Because of those two teams that Barca and Real have for such a long period of time, the majority of those players are gone. Yeah. And it's the next generation of those players. And it's going to be a case of, well, so-and-so is never as good as this player. So-and-so is never as good as this player. How, how are you going to replace the effect that Ronaldo had at Real? You know, that was what they were probably trying to do with Bale. But Bale's not interested for whatever reason. You know, the fans never took to him. Hazard had a really poor start to his Real Madrid career. You know, yeah. he's then got to step up next season. Ramos is getting on a bit. Zidane, as good as he is, I think he can be a bit temperamental. And if things aren't going his way, he will probably want to go. And then you've got that chasm to fill. And then you've got to try and bring someone in who's going to be good enough to beat the rest of La Liga. Um you know, a lot of question marks have been asked about the goalkeepers. You know, they they bought in Ariola from PSG to replace Courtois because Courtois wasn't doing very well. You know, Kaylor Navas was okay, and then they had to fill that hole. You know, there's there's a lot of question marks over Real Madrid. Barcelona is the same. You know, 
it seems to be Messi and ten others. Yeah, you know, at one, at one stage everyone was sort of drooling at the fact of you having a front three of Messi, Suarez, and Griezmann. Yeah. But I don't see the chemistry that they had compared to previous years. Yeah, I totally get that. Mm. I don't think the chemistry is there. Um, and Suarez is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, as, as much as I dislike him for what he did during his career in England and what he's done at the sort of highest stages, you know, celebrating the fact that Garner missed the penalty and if he'd handballed it on the line and yeah. biting Chiellini and, and obviously the issues with Evra and all that sort of stuff. Uh, he is a very, very talented forward. Mm. But there, there is a there is a lot of issues, and I, I think it runs deeper into La Liga in general. Yeah, I, I have a funny feeling that it may be that La Liga isn't as good as it used to be. Mm, I get that. Yeah, really get that. I think I think teams so, are not fearing them as much now as what they used to. No. Um, so yeah, there's there, there is a lot of work for those two teams. I, I think. If if Barcelona and Real do sort of slip, I think Atletico have got a good chance. Uh, I think Sevilla could mm. have a sort of random season where they might win it. Um, Outside shot, apart from yeah, those, maybe, maybe. But again, if Valencia going to be on it or not? Mm. Um, I see Valencia a bit like Sevilla. Yeah. Um, and then you're sort of umming and ahhing about the rest. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, Bang average. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it, there's a lot of work to be done for those two teams. Um, and the fact that neither of them are in the semi-finals of the Champions League says a lot. Mm. The fact that it's it, it could potentially be an all-German or an all-French final is remarkable. Mm. Um, at the minute uh, I, I'm probably going to go with the prediction of buying PSG mm. which will be PSG's probably best chance of winning it but whether or not they're going to be complacent of Leipzig the way that Atletico may be perceived to be against them yeah I mean I think I'm, I'm going to edge towards um, an all German final mate yeah, it, it, it wouldn't surprise you. I, I think if Bayern weren't in the final, mm. it's it's been a, a remarkably weird Champions League. It really has yeah. been. It's a top because <laughs> you know, with with how well Bayern have done in their domestic league, and with how powerful they have been since the restart, yeah. if they weren't to win it, it would be just. It would just be a very, very big shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree, mate. I really do. I mean, if anyone's got any comments on what me and Jacko are saying tonight, get your emails in to uh, afterextratime2020 at gmail.com and drop yeah. Jacko a line and we'll put it out on our pod next week or you can catch it on our Facebook Live on Thursday evenings. Uh, mm. Right, Jacko, what's next up for us? Um... We could go to Scotland, I suppose. Let's go to Scotland then. We haven't touched on Scotland. We'll go to Scotland. Yeah. Um, 
what have you made of the the farce with Aberdeen and Celtic? Oh, mate, it is a farce, isn't it? You bit that straight on the head. I mean, they surely got dot points, didn't they? Well, that that is a, a big discussion. Um, a lot of of discussion on Twitter has been that should Aberdeen and Celtic have their points docked mm. um, from their previous results, as well as you know potentially a couple of future games. Um, I think all the hard work that everyone goes to putting into getting these seasons going mm. and because people decide to go on jollies or break curfew, it hampers everything. Yeah. And it just makes a mockery of the fact that people can do what they want. Um, you know, on a political side of it that I don't really want to touch on, I think the fact that certain politicians in the UK have done something similar. Yeah has sort of left the door open to sort of go, well, if they do it, why can't I? But, you know, for a lot, you know, football fans idolise their players for their teams. Mm. And if they're making a mockery of the rules that have been set by the, the footballing bodies to keep players safe and keep the clubs going so that they can get a season out there, yeah. it does beg the question, what on earth are they doing? Um, and it begs the question of, do these players care? Possibly not. They're getting um, the wages at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they do get points, mate, it's a big chance for Rangers now to win the title. It is. But I think, especially with the fact that Hibs dropped points yesterday, um, but at the minute they're, they're drawing with Livingston. Just confirm it's full time, yeah. mate. Yeah, so they've... they draw. Yeah, so they've, they've, they've dropped points there. Yeah. Really? Four um, clean sheet on the spin for Rangers, just to confirm. Yeah, it, it, no, that's that's not bad at all by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But I think with what's happened with Celtic and, you know, with what happened to Hibs yesterday, mm. it was a big, big chance for Gerrard to get points on the table and get a, a sort of foot ahead of, of where they were. Um, it would have meant that Celtic were eight points behind Rangers with two games in hand. Mm. And so I think that is definitely a case of two uh, two points drop or lost rather than a point gain. Yeah. Um, you know, at the minute, Rangers and Hibs are, are 10 points yeah. or have got 10 points from their first four games. You know, regardless of what Aberdeen and Celtic have done, do you see Celtic, Rangers and Hibs being the top three in the SPFL this year? Or do you see, uh, you know, maybe someone like Aberdeen, if they can get a run going, or maybe even the likes of Ross County, because they've started off quite well, as well as Dundee. I mean, how, how do you see this, the Scottish title playing out this I year? I see it the same as every other year, mate. And I feel it'll just be Celtic yeah. up there. Even with the, if they get a point deduction, I still feel they'll be up there. Um, Rangers yeah. will be up there. And possibly Hibs could probably stay where they are, but I don't feel there'll be much change in the league tables. Uh, I, I just feel SPL, the, the smaller teams, haven't got much of a hope against Celtics. Um, yeah, you might cost them where, on a bad day, but that's about it. Where, where do you see Gerard going if Rangers don't win the title this year? Yeah, it's a good question. If, 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 if Celtic... Obviously, with the situation that Celtic are in at the minute, and how, uh, however long they are postponing games for Celtic, yeah. If Gerard 
has a relatively large points gap between him and Celtic and he doesn't win the title. Mm. Where do you see him next season? Definitely won't be at Rangers, mate. I think it could swing either way now. If he finishes, he has a big gap, like you said, and then he doesn't get win the SPL. I can't see him getting a massive job. I'd probably say mid-table, bottom-table championship side. Yeah. If he wins the SPL, that might make him a bit better and he might get a more of a, a promotion-pushing team in the championship, maybe a small team in the Prem. So I think it depends on which way it pans out for Gerard. I mean, Lampard's... Do you, not think that, do you not think he's good enough to manage sort of a mid-table Premier League side? Or do you, or do you feel that the calib or the gap between Scottish football and English football is is such that mm. you know certain managers, if they're not the likes of Brendan Rodgers at Celtic, mm. that they would only that sort of gap where you know, you know there's always been that question if Celtic and Rangers were to merge with England, whereabouts would they be playing? Would they be in the Premier League? Would they be in the Championship? Mm. Do you not feel that even if Gerard had a poor season at Rangers, he could manage a Premier League? I don't team? feel he could, mate. I mean, people might ask the question that he could because he's been in the Premier, but he's played in the Premier. He has never managed in the Premier. We've got to take that on board. I mean, Lampard's yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, this is it. Up, up until last season, Lampard hadn't managed. Yeah, I feel. I, I I get that, and I feel, mate. You you said it earlier. I feel I feel there's too much of a gap between SPL football and even the championship, mate. I've, I mean, I've I've interviewed a couple of Scottish players, but I've asked the same question, and they reckon Celtic and Rangers would be all all good in the Prem, and there ain't much difference in standard. But I don't agree, mate. I mean, do you see them progressing much in Europa or Champions League? You don't really. Whereas an English club, I do. think. I think with the fact that Rangers had their setback mm. and they spent four or five years outside of of the top top tier of Scottish football, mm. I think there is a, there is a bit of a gap between Rangers and Celtic. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and it favours Celtic. I mean that's obvious. Um, you know, I I do think Celtic would probably be the better of the two in the Premier League. Yeah, and I could see them nicking a Europa League spot. Mm. The thing is. And, and people say that Celtic would be home in the Premier League. Can you see them overtaking the likes of Man City, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, no. Tottenham? No, you know, you know. So, I mean, how many, how know, many managers, mate, do you see leave the SPL to come to the Prem? There's not that many, and I mean, Neil Lennon. Um, Neil Lennon was at Celtic, doing a great job. Came to English League, did nothing. He's gone back. Yeah, to I mean, it again, Rogers had a. a, a Go on, mate. No, I was going to say a lot of the managers that I've known mm. from from the SPL mm. have gone to the Championship. Yeah. You know, Derek McInnes did it. Yeah, Craig um Craig Devine, Scott Lomas did yeah. it. Uh, I think Mark McGee went the other way, yeah. where he'd managed teams in the Championship and the Premier League, and. Then obviously went up to Scott. How many of them have um, had success, mate? From what have come from there, drop down to Championship. Because I can't recall many, if any. Um, McKinnis didn't do too badly mm. at Bristol. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, but, I just feel yeah, like look at Rodgers, mate, with Liverpool. He had that one season with them, could have won the Prem, then didn't do great, so he went up to Celtic. 
got his confidence back. And, he, and I know, mate, he would have known it was an easy job, let's be honest. It's, it's yeah. replaced Neil Lennon, who isn't exactly a top manager himself. And he's come in, done what he's no, done, but... and now he's at Leicester doing an OK job, but nothing to write home about. No, but if Rogers hadn't been there this season, could you have seen Leicester getting into Europe? In, in all honesty, take, taking your Leicester hat off for a minute, with the teams that are around them, could you have seen Leicester get into Europe? Possibly not. Could just get the youth, the right youth players, the right game time. Where if we probably stuck with Poole, then possibly not. No, he, he was a... Um, he weren't a great manager for Leicester. So, he, I, I get exactly what you're coming from in that respect. But, I mean, then again, mate, I look at Rodgers and think, you know, if he started off at Leicester, mate, like he did after lockdown, Leicester would have been near the bottom anyway. So, that's yeah. one thing I'm worried about this season coming. Yeah, but I, the, you, you touched on it on this first show, that, you know... The fans at Leicester might play a big part. And I, I think we can all agree as football fans that the games have not been the same yeah. since lockdown had ended and they could have the football back. Because it's not. The atmosphere makes those yeah, games. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, obviously, Marlon King touched on it. Yeah. You know, he said if, if the fans were at Man United, would Man United have done as well as they have done? Yeah. yeah. Or would have asked. Or would have, you know, those sort of teams. Um, but I definitely see Leicester as one of those where they have to have the fans there, and I yeah. think it makes a big difference because Mill- Millwall are exactly the same. It's, it's it's a case where that atmosphere can be terrifying to players. Yeah, and uh, I listened to Aidan O'Brien. He did an interview with one of the uh, one of the Millwall channels. Yeah. Yes, he's an ex Millwall player now because he's gone to Sunderland, and I hope he reads as well because I liked him. But he was saying that the atmosphere is an amazing place if they're behind you. Yeah. Because you just feel like you've got this impenetrable wall there with you. Whereas if the fans aren't behind you, it's a horrible place to play. And I, I just feel that Le- Leicester is something similar to that. Yeah. Because of the passion. And I, I think a lot of that has come from, from the owners. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think with everything that they've done for the community, I, I think that it's instilled a oneness at Leicester. And I feel if they've got the backing of the fans, Leicester do a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I could agree more, mate. could not agree more. And I, I'd, I'd like to think... So I, I rate Rogers. I really, really do. I, I think... As, uh, you may not agree, but, you know, sort of tactical side and development side of players, I think he's very, very good. Mm. Um, and I just feel that if he was to have those fans at the King Power, mm. possibly you could have seen them stay in the Champions League. Because at the, at the time, when lockdown came, no one expected Leicester to drop out of the top four because of how well they done. Well, that's right, mate. Yeah, I mean, it was in there since September, Jacko. Yeah, so I, I just feel that if Leicester have got the backing of the fans and the fans are there, I think Leicester are a far better side than than what they've shown. Yeah, I mean, you um, hit it on the head. I mean, Vardy, mate, he plays to the crowd. Yeah. So, and, and that's shown that. I mean, yeah, he did get on a run in the end, but he started off shaky, didn't he? Yeah, but again, I think Jack and I touched on it in one episode. I think because of the fact that he was closing in on such a big milestone, mm. 
especially for Leicester and how big an achievement that is for him at his point in his career. I think that was playing on it. Because you, you, you've got to admit that even at Sunday league level that you and I have played at, mm. there is always some form of pressure there. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, and yes, certain players will deal with it better than others, but you could see that from from his reactions and, and his mannerisms that he was frustrated that he couldn't get that goal. Mm. Um, and yet, when that was when that goal did come, it made everything a lot easier for him. Yeah, it started to flow a bit more, didn't it? And he, and he did start, and he was start of he was playing the uh, the way the Vardy of was old, and or the way of Vardy of old, and so it it gave Leicester fans, I suppose, a bit of confidence in the fact that they could potentially get the results they needed. Um, I, I think they'll do reasonably well in, in Europa. I'm not a massive Leicester fan, mm. but I am of Rodgers, and I do think that he will do better next season when the fans are back. And I do feel that, you know, they've got a good chance in Europe next year. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I, I know it's frustrating for Leicester fans that they were in the Champions League spots they are now, but it gives them such a good platform to get into the Champions League next season if they don't have an OK season. Yeah, yeah. Because you've still got that way through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, is, that is true. So, yeah. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, I think apart from Rogers, I don't think there's been many managers from Scotland that have done that well. Um, I, mean, I think if the gap were between the two, between England and Scotland, were a bit closer, mm. you probably could have. Mm. But at the minute, no, I just, I just don't think there's many there that are good enough. No, I agree, man. I think it also goes with the players. I mean, I interviewed Jack Barnby not so long ago, and I was speaking yeah. to him, and I said, obviously, he used to be part of Leicester. He came from United, come to Leicester, didn't get no game time, yeah. and he's gone to America. And I said to uh, Jack, I says, how hard is it now for you to come from America back to the English Football League or the Premier League? And he said, it, it would be hard work, and I feel that would be the same with Scotland yeah, yeah. because. The leagues get so overlooked because they think it's just Scotland or it's just America. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Jack goes and scores fifty goals in America, then he might get looked at. But if he's having a nice, comfortable season, mate, scored ten mm. goals from centre midfield or fifteen, whatever, he still won't get yeah. that same look as where if he's doing it in the in the English leagues. So, mm. like Scott Sinclair's a great example. I mean, he was at Villa, didn't do great. Went to Celtic, bagged a load of goals, and now he's at uh, is it Bristol? Uh, he was at uh, West Brom, I think. West Brom. He's at a championship. Yeah, he was at yeah so he's at a championship yeah, club. So. He, did really well at, he did really well when he came back, to be fair. Mm. Um, I think what probably Scotland did for him was give him his confidence that he could play the game. Mm. Um, but then he scored all them goals, mate. No, he, and then you didn't see the season after. Rogers dropped him again. So it's like, you know... Yeah. It's one of them things where yeah. Jack touched on it, mate. It's just a lot of hard work in these other leagues rather than the English. League. Yeah, yeah, of course. But that, that's where I think the likes of Sanchez, Lukaku and Smalling have done so well in Italy this year. Yeah. I think the pace of the game suits their style. Yeah. But they're not... I, I, I will make an exception to Lukaku. I think L- L- Lukaku is a very, very good player. Mm. And the fact that he's scored all the goals he has in, in the leagues that he has... I think he can do it anywhere. Yeah. But I think the pace has suited Sanchez and Smalling better. Yeah. Because it's not as Yeah, I couldn't agree with you. High tempo, fast paced, you know, pressurised. I think Italy 
is a better system for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. Um, I mean, Lukaku, I don't think, got used enough by United in the right places. Do you know what I mean? I I, I think there was a lot of issues at United yeah. when Lukaku was there. I, I think because of the fact that they changed from Van Gaal to Mourinho, then to Solskjaer, was a case of I don't not quite know or they didn't quite know how, as you say, how best to use Lukaku. But the fact that Lukaku was still scoring goals, even though he wasn't 100% confident in how to play his game, because they'd be changing it every other week, yeah. um, showed the talent that he's got there. Yeah. I, I think Chelsea made a massive mistake, because they were obviously, the reason why they bought Lukaku in was to be a long-term replacement for Drogba. But because of how well Drogba played, Lukaku didn't get a look in. Yeah. And, you know, he went to West Brom, he went to Everton and he did really well while he was on loan. Mm. And I think if Chelsea had pushed it more that he stayed and got more first-team football, I, I think he would still be at Chelsea now. And I think we'd be looking at a guy that has scored more than 100-odd goals because I think they would have utilised him right. Yeah, I mean, if he was still there, maybe the likes of Tammy wouldn't have got in. Maybe. But then it, maybe he would have gone to Villa... Yeah. had you know he may have gone to Villa permanently instead of going out on loan because yeah. let's be honest he looked really good in, uh, at Villa yeah the season he was on loan yeah definitely uh, alright it was, it was in the championship but he was good enough I think and you know he's, he's bagged some goals in the Premier League this season he's bagged some goals in Europe I think he was Chelsea's uh, you know he, you know, there was a lot there for him to, to ride on. Um, but then, obviously, Giroud's come in after the restart and he's played re- relatively well, mm. you know. Um, so, he obviously pushes Abraham back a bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, especially now with Werner and ZX coming in and Havertz, potentially, um, and obviously some of the news that I'd heard today that Lewis Dunk is coming in. Yeah. Um, it may be a case that, you know, they do look at selling Tammy and maybe focus on someone else to play it from. Yeah, yeah, possibly. We'll have to keep an eye on that and see what happens with that. Um, I mean, mate, while we're touching on, uh, we'll touch on SPL. So we've got that out of the way, Jacko. So well done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got a show a bit of diversity outside of the Championship and the Premier League. We have, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, that's why Jack never come on. <laughs> yeah. um, let's just touch on a bit quickly, mate, about uh, tonight's fixture. Sevilla, Man United in the Europa League semi-final. Yeah. Which way is it going to go, mm. mate? Do you feel it could go either way? Manchester United are in first. Uh, I'd do. <laughs> I'd like to see how Siri's got involved there. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just think, yeah, I think it could go either way. Mm. Uh Thinking about it a lot more, you know, I'd like to see an Inter-Man United final. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, I think there's a lot behind that fixture, especially with the likes of Sanchez and Lukaku. Um, but I have a funny feeling that I think Sevilla could could surprise United. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a close game. Or so think it'd be a, a big scoreline. I, I do. I do. It might it might finish with a win after extra time. Hey, I like that. <laughs> uh, well, as the pair of you have done it, I thought I might as well chip in with one myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I just feel that um, it could go either, uh, either way. I do think it might go deep. Uh, so, 
uh, you know, penalties possibly. Yeah. Um, Do you feel whoever uh, wins this match, mate, will be uh, the winners? Or do you feel it'll come down to, like you say, into Milan and it'll be a tight game for them? Um, Which it's not going to be easy. I don't know. No, it's not. I think Shakhtar maybe mm. may pull up a couple of trees. I think um, uh, I think I think on form, mate. You got to. I'm going to stick with Inter Man United. Yeah. I, I think that that yeah, that was my prediction at the beginning. Mm. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Mm. I usually am. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll stick with Man United Inter, and uh, I think either way, I think it, both finals, mm. Champions League and Europa League, I both think will actually be quite good finals. Yeah. Or I'd like to think they'll be. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but I feel tonight, if United don't get off to an early start, mate, I, I feel it'll go downhill yeah. from them. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think early momentum is key. I, I think United. I think if United were to get an early goal, it would mean Sevilla would have to come out. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas I think Sevilla could potentially sort of try and not do the same as what Leon did last night but I certainly feel that they could frustrate Man United and sort of look to try and hit them on the, on the, on the counter yeah um, so I mean yeah I think United need to get need to get firing early yeah I agree early. I mean the last meeting between the two teams over two, just over two years ago mate saw United mm. dumped out Champions League by Sevilla yeah which was under Jose so um it, it's yeah. interesting. I, I think Solskjaer, I don't know why, but I think Solskjaer seems to have a good affiliation with United and Champions League. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's a good chance that he will, he will sort of familiarise that with, with the Europa League tonight. Mm. And, Sort of get the players playing for it. I, I think the the players are up for it already. I think they the way they've been playing. I, I think they've been good enough. You know, there's I, I did sort of question whether or not because they seem to have dipped out of form a bit after the the FA Cup semi final. Whether or not they um so if they carry carry on with some a bit of momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think. I think Solskjaer would be able to get them up for tonight's game. So, yeah, as I say, I think it could be... If United get an early goal, I I think it's it's favourable for them. Um, But I think the longer it's left, it's all a stalemate. I think Sevilla are more likely to get get them. Yeah, I I totally agree. Mate, I'll take me out off to Solskjaer, what he's done this year. I mean, really, mate, this is a free game. It's a free punt. They've secured the Champions League spot. Which I'm sure the fans weren't yeah. expecting, Jacko. So I reckon it's a free. Yeah, I, I, think, I think had had they not snatched the the Champions League spot of Leicester, I don't think we would have said it. I, I would have. I think we would have all agreed that tonight would have been such a key game for them. Yeah. Because you know, had they not got into Champions League qualification spots, they would have had to have won this. Yeah, I, I totally. It would agree. have been so big for United to get back into the Champions League. Yeah. Um, I just, I so just yeah, feel though, I, mate, Sevilla didn't look great against Wolves. 
So I just feel no, mm, but then, do you know what I mean? yeah, but Wolves I don't think look great against Sevilla either. Yeah, 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 possibly right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just you have to look at United. Yeah. I, I think if it if you want an English club in a final, you have to look at United tonight. Mm. But you could see a potential slip up if Sevilla played well. Yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Um, so yeah, that's that for the Europa League for, for this pod. Um, mate, I'm going to touch on this because I know Jack touched on this on the on the podcast live on on Thursday. So I'm, I'm yeah. going to speak about it for Jack, on Jack's behalf, which is I know which you wouldn't like this at all, but replays have been scrapped. Yeah, uh, talk us through it, Jack. What do you make of that? Well, I said on Thursday that I didn't like the idea of it, mm. purely for the fact, and and this is not because of the fact that it's adding too many games or whatever, but the financial ramifications for a club in the lower leagues mm. is massive. If they were able to get uh, a replay away to the likes of Chelsea or Arsenal or Manchester United or Liverpool or Man City or whatever... I think they are massive. Mm. I know you said you'd rather have them play a big team at home, but the way that it's always been done is that the teams get half the gate receipts. So if, for example, you've got Macclesfield, Mm. who get to the third round of the FA Cup and they have Manchester United at home, Mm. they're going to get maybe 5,000 people there. Yeah. And half of the money that that brings in goes to Manchester United. Mm. Now, it's not going to make a massive difference to Man United. It's, it's going to be like someone losing a pound in their wallet. Mm. So, Macclesfield, to have a replay at Old Trafford, mm. and I know you said 70,000 people wouldn't want to go and watch that, but I, I genuinely believe a lot of people would want to go and watch that. But even if it was 50,000, yeah. they get they get half of those gate receipts. That's the, the gate receipts for 25,000 people which could probably fill their stadium five times over. Mm. So that is a massive amount of money for a club. Not to mention you get potential TV rights with with money Mm. and other bits and pieces as well. More merchandising, uh, more marketing, all this sort of stuff. There's a lot that goes behind having just a single replay against United. You know, and, and that's how I see it's such a big thing for these lower league clubs. Again, Another argument with mine that thinking back on it, yeah, you, it probably is a bit sort of petty. But, you know, if if teams were to put out a lesser side, yeah. then to me it shows disrespect to a club at a lower level. Now, I know they need to get game time because they obviously feel these are part of, a, of the, the future of the club. Mm. But for a League Two side... If they're playing Man City at home and there's no replay, you want to see the likes of De Bruyne or Mares or Sterling or you know yeah, yeah. Silver yeah. Foden. You want to see these players because how many times are you going to be able to see yeah. them at the ground that you work? I get that. I think the only time you are going to see that, and I'm sure Jack, who are listening after this, uh, will know and probably agree. If you're say you're winning, you're at Millwall, Jack, and you're playing Man City. And you're winning with yeah. with 80 minutes on the clock gone, then the likes of Mares, Aguero will all come on. Yeah, so I think that's the only time yeah, we'll see it. But 
But that was the exact same thing. At, at Le- at Millwall played Leicester yeah. the year after they won the Champions, uh, they won the Premier League, and Leicester fielded a lesser side against Millwall. Bearing in mind, Watford had done it and lost. Bournemouth had done it and lost. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Leicester did it and they lost. Mm. Tottenham didn't, and Tottenham put out their their best side, and they thrashed us six nil. Yeah. I I can't disagree with that. We were poor on the day. We we got absolutely battered. Mm. But this is the sort of disrespect that I'm talking about for these lesser teams. Mm. You're the Premier League champions going away to a team in League One. You'd want to put your stamp on it because because I don't think Leicester were doing particularly well that season afterwards. No, no. I mean so. If, if you're not going to... Because I know they were focused more on the Champions League that season. I get that. Mm. But if you're not going to win the league, and the likelihood is you're not going to win the Champions League, mm. you want a bit of silverware out of the season. So you want to go out and win the cup. Mm. Now, Man United did it with their youngsters in the mid-90s. But I think football, even between now and then, has changed. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... You know, if you don't field your your stronger sides against some of these teams, they are going to come back to bite you. And Mill did it to Leicester. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, you you would have said after the, watching that Premier League winning side, you would have said Mes- Leicester played Millwall. Mm. You'd expect Leicester to win. Wouldn't yeah, I would you? Yeah. Bearing in mind Millwall were in League One, mm. they'd just been relegated the season before, and you know the majority of those Leicester, uh, those those Millwall players would never get into a Leicester side. Mm. So, you know, you put your full strength side out and you make sure that you've you've won that game and go on to the next one. Because so I'm pretty sure after that game, Ranieri left. Yeah. Or if it wasn't, it was shortly, shortly it was a couple of games yeah. after that. Yeah. So, you know, that, that gives you an added pressure as well because you don't really slip up against a team in League One, especially if you're not doing well in the season because mm-hmm. it could potentially mean your job's gone. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, do you feel like and, uh, and, there'll be less shocks now in the FA Cup? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that. I really, really do. Um, you you probably get the odd one between sort of Vanarama National League and League One, League Two because that that you, you, will, you will always get those because it's not... A, a big, big side coming down to you and mm. Washington some three 0 You may get a result where Wimbledon beat West Ham the other season. Yeah, but that's you know I feel that even with West Ham's full strength side out, I don't think they're a very, very good side. Mm. And you know Wimbledon are always up for the cup because of their history. They, they, they've always seen it as a big part of their history. Mm. I mean, so, I was giving I was giving Tech on the live as you know. I was, I was agreeing with Jack. Uh, yeah, but I can see the pros and the cons. I mean, my cons of it is I I, I like the replays because it was something to watch midweek, and uh, I like to see the little clubs go to the big clubs, vice versa. See the big clubs go to the little clubs. So I feel yeah. the bigger clubs have probably had the upper hand if they get drew at home. Yeah, definitely got the upper. But hand. then obviously, on Thursday you said as well, it means that there's less fixtures. Yeah, less fixtures. Yeah. Which you know I, I totally get, and it's a it's a logical argument to not having replays. Mm. That's why they they got rid of having just replays until a side won. Mm. But if you're going to do it so that there's no replays, that means you go into extra time, you go into penalties. Mm. 
straight from the off. That's that's from every single round. You can't unless then preparing saying from the first round of the FA Cup you don't have replays. Well, oh, if, if I'm if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong. The replays were up to round three, wasn't it? Well, no, I think they'd done it up to the quarters. Was it? Yeah, they'd done it so that the quarters weren't having replays, but you had an extra sub after after ninety minutes. Right, so the, I mean, they could have left it as that, to be quite honest. But yeah, I. But yeah, but then you've still got the fixture congestion anyway, because you could have Manchester City in the third round play Northampton Town, and Northampton get a draw, and they go to at the Etihad. I'm guessing though, if it weren't because so of COVID, they would have not have done this. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's not... But you know. the problem you've got with that then is how long are they going to use this as an excuse to start doing things? What, treating them with the rules, yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, and also you can ask the question, mate, after this COVID's been cleared by the government, etc., are they going to bring back the two legs or the, the replay, sorry? Or are they just going to stick at it? Well, this is the problem. This is the problem that this creates. Mm. You know, I... Yes, what what the world has gone through since December yeah. has been terrifying, yeah. you know. And you know, people have done the best they can with the situation that they've been given. And to try and come back to some form of normality, the governing body, the sports governing bodies, and the governments involved have tried to create situations for people to be able to enjoy the sport again. Mm. You know, so I, I obviously, you know, the obvious comment would be yes, as you said, if COVID hadn't happened, you know, we wouldn't have had, you know, we, we would have had everything as it was normally. You wouldn't have this five sub rule. You wouldn't have these pointless sodding drinks breaks, which just wind me up yeah. to beyond all recognition. Mm. But the, you know, it gave people hope that we were coming out the other side of it yeah. by the fact that they they restarted this. Mm. And as much as I hate the fact that the replays aren't there, I think if we can get the sport going again, or the sports rather going again, mm. I think it just makes it just gives everyone that little bit of peace that potentially you know better things will come of it and it will get easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. So, as much as I hate the fact that replays aren't here this season, regardless of what round they're at, I, I think it's for the the benefit of everyone. But what I don't want to see is that people use it, or governing bodies of sports, using this as a reason for the next two, three, four years. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my next question to you, mate. I mean, do you reckon now they're going to keep the Champions League and the Europa League as, as a one-leg tie now? I'd love that. I said to my dad the other, uh, last night, I would love to see it like this. Mm. You have up to the round of 16. Mm. You probably spread out the group games to cover longer periods of the season. Mm. And the, the years that they don't have the Euros or the World Cup, yeah. you have a tournament in a city like this. From the round of 16 to the final, you make it three weeks and... It's a place for everyone to go and watch football. Yeah, I don't think I'm not. I would say I'm not in agreement. I just I don't know if it's because I've watched two legs over two legs for how many amount of years that yeah. I'm used to it. 
Yeah. No, I know. I, I am as well. But the problem you've got with two-legged games is that they're now being treated as miniature sort of strategies. So, for example, if if they go one nil up early in a game, they're going to try and shut up shop, especially if they play away because they get an away goal. Mm. Yeah. And then they play at home and they could sit with 10 men on the line and just not do anything for 90 minutes. Yeah. And they win it. And another argument is you could draw nil-nil all the way to the final. Mm. And you, you, you could get to the final in two-legged games without scoring a goal. Mm. Yeah, I... and that you know that some of those games can be really exciting. Other, you know, if other games not not so. Uh, you know, I'm not saying every team would want to go out into a two-legged game and say let's just draw nil-nil, and then we could get a chance of winning on penalties to get to the final. Mm. I'm not saying that at all. But that is a tactic that some teams could use if they wanted to. Yeah. And I think if you've got a situation where you have a tournament like they have done here, mm. it, it, especially in the summers where there's no football going on, it gives everyone that little bit of, I don't know, it gives someone you know, people a little bit of excitement during the, the, the pre-season or the Post in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, it probably, again, you'll probably see shocks as well, like we have seen recently. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. If you were to hold it in neutral venues, so this year they held it in Portugal, next year they held it in Italy, the year after they held it in yeah, like Wembley or something, Germany or England or something, and you had sort of three or four, three or four venues, or two cities. So you could do, for example, one one year you could have Liverpool and Manchester yeah. have the Champions League and London has the Europa League. So you have it in England, but you have them in different areas. Because I think Finland have got the Europa League right. in place. Right. I could be wrong. But, you know, so the Europa League were in one area, you know, Champions League were in another area. Mm. Obviously... If you know, hopefully by this time next year, lockdown will be a thing of the past, and, and we sort of back to some form of normality. That you could have people travelling to and from, and you know, some of the people that I've spoken to going away to to European games, the, the atmospheres are brilliant. Yeah, and that's before you've got into the ground, so you could have that locally. And I think that's what they've tried to do with the Euros. Yeah, yeah. On a larger scale. Do you think it's fair, though? Because, I mean, touching on the Euros a bit about that side, is England have got games at home. So, surely that's yeah. a home advantage? Yeah, but every every home game to every team is an advantage. Mm. You know, so, I suppose if you look at it at a neutral venue, you it's it then becomes a case of the players... But then they're they're backed on by the crowd. Yeah. And any and anything can happen. It it becomes like a mini sort of Club World Cup or Euros or something like that, you know? Mm. Do you not feel uh, so, football's just getting too overrun now by all these different things and it's coming away from the old game and they're trying to make it some kind of new sort of sport? Um no, because I don't think anything would have changed had COVID not happened. Mm. 
it would have just been we finished the season in May. You'd have Champions League finished at the beginning of June. Yeah. Euros um, would have went ahead. Euros would have gone ahead, and everyone would have seen England maybe get to a semi final of that, and then they go, okay, well let's get ready for August. Yeah. Mm. And 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 none of us would have been the wiser. Mm. I think, as I said before, because of the situation that the world has been put in, the governing bodies have tried to create environments and atmospheres for people to get back to enjoying the sports they had. Yeah. You know, cricket have done it. Cricket, uh, you know, the ECB have had to get West Indies, Pakistan, Australia and Ireland mm. to allow themselves to come over and play in England. Yeah. And England is, is obviously, if you look at the news, England is one of the worst affected areas due of COVID yeah. in the world. So these 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 players and these teams have discussed it amongst themselves and they've said, we want to do what we do. Mm. And they're not playing in front of crowds. They're just sitting in an empty stadium for five days and whatever. But the fact that they've been able to negotiate something has meant that people that enjoy cricket can watch it. Yeah. You know, they've done it with football as well. They've tried to create atmosphere. It's not the same because you can't mechanically control an atmosphere of a No, crowd. but I, I still feel they should bring a crowd in, mate. I mean, even if it's 10% yeah, of the crowd, do you know what I mean? It's that, that, From what I understand, this is what they're planning to do. But I mean, you've seen that. They on, have to make sure the area is safe before they do I mean, it. you've seen it. I know this is a different sport, but again, let's lose snooker as an example. They brought They yeah. brought them in in the first first rounds in the Crucible and then they changed their mind actually no crowds so they got rid of them now yeah. the final and they bought me yeah so yeah. it's like make your mind up and yeah but I think it's a lot of trial and error at the minute mm. it is an awful lot of trial and error you have to admit because you know for example Leicester Leicester have gone you know Leicester is still in lockdown I'd understood it the other day that we weren't but we are Okay, and there's a lot of trial and error with it. You know, do you do you individually lock down a city? If so, how do you control the populace within that city from going outside of the borders that have been controlled, mm. or do you lock down the whole area or mm. or the whole country? And and this is what I mean by trial and error. These these places are going in mm. the crucible, for example. Okay, we're going to get people in for the first round. Mm. No, we're not quite sure it's safe. We don't feel it's to be trusted. I know what we'll do will say you can come in for the final. It's for a couple of days. Mm. It's not for a, a two-week period, and you can manage. But how it. can that be more safe than having an open-air football a football stadium where you can have fans dotted around? Well, the no, but the amount of people at the Crucible is reduced, isn't it? Mm. So you will have that area, and this is what I said to you before when when we discussed it um, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. You have to, you know, they they have to sort of come up with a way to direct people to where to go. So from what I've heard, mm. and I think this is at Millwall, what they're planning to do is you have to be at the ground by X amount of time mm. before the start of the game. Mm. You get thoroughly checked, you get your temperature checked, all this sort of stuff. If it's secure for you to go through, you go in. Mm. And, and because of how long it's going to take, that's why they've suggested you need to be at the ground for this long. So it gives everyone a, a time to be able to get into the ground. Yeah. Because they're doing it at a reduced capacity for the bigger games or bigger stadiums, it's going to be easier. But 
you have to police it and manage it so well. And, and that's where the trial and error comes to it, because they're going to have to say to these people, if you if you muck about, mm. we're not going to do it. Yeah. And it's not going to benefit anybody. Mm. So we will trial it for a couple of weeks. If people adhere to the rules and regulations that have been set by, our, by the, the uh, local ground, mm. then that's fine. We'll carry it on and we'll see how it does for another two weeks. And if we can maintain it and maintain it for a period of time, we can say, yes, We've trialled it. It's been successful. Let's have a look at doing it for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And I was... but as, I, as I said to you before, people have to be sensitive. Yeah. This is why I think if you're going to do it, you do it so that there's a no alcoholic well, this, beverages this is sold with it. Because my mate has said to me today, Greeny, what do you think on uh, the news about the football fans are allowed back in? but they won't be allowed to chant or sing songs or celebrate. Now, I think it's absolutely fucking ridiculous, Jocko. Um, the chanting thing, I don't get. The celebrating thing, I do get. I do get. You know, they, they will want people to socially distance. Mm. So you can jump up and down. Yeah, that's probably fine. But high-fiving and hugging your mates and all this sort of stuff that you normally get at celebrations – they will not allow. And they're going to, and they're going to control it. I mean, my mate, I said to my mate, well, they're not going to stop it. And he said, yeah, I agree. He said, how are they going to patrol that where if they score? Well, how are they going to stop a fan from high-fiving another fan? Well, but this is down to the individual. Mm. You have to, you, you have to give people the rules and you have to expect people to adhere to them. And this is where stewarding will come into play massively. Because if you police it well, as frustrating as it will be, mm. um, if it's policed well, you will you will have fans in the ground. Mm. If they do high five and celebrate with each other, even they know that you have to socially distance, those people will be kicked out sooner than you can say flash Gordon. Mm. So it will then be, bring a question of. Can football fans be trusted to be in, in stadiums and adhere to the rules? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you touched on as well about alcohol, mate. But I, I mean, if they don't sell it in the ground, they're, they're going to buy it outside the ground and get wasted and then come in the ground. Yeah, but, but this is where I said you have to police it. Mm. If they feel, because the, the problem you've got, and you know, I think everyone can tell, when you've had a few too many, mm. your decision-making is poor. Mm. So... If you are completely wrecked before you get to a ground mm. and they can see you're wrecked, then they will tell you to go. Yeah. And I have no problem with that because you aren't able to keep your social distance. Mm. And that's going to be the problem. People have to accept the fact that they're going to have to socially distance at these grounds. If they don't like it, don't go. That's, that's my opinion. If you don't like it, don't go. Watch it at home. Stay safe. Well, that's that's fine. I, I get that as well. But how they're gonna? If you're at United and you've got seventy thousand yeah. people in there, how, how do they decide what fans are going? Yeah, but you're to not going to have seventy thousand people there, mate. No, that's no. The, but I mean, the if they're picking a selection, let's say they only pick five thousand fans. Yeah. Out of them seventy thousand fans, how do they get it down to five thousand? Which fans do they pick? Well, but. That that that's that's going to be the argument that comes up next because DP because I know for a... sorry mate I was just going to say DP my my pal is a United season mm. ticket holder and he's he's a season ticket holder one so he goes home in the away games 
But he was saying yeah. today that probably 20,000 of them are, are, are first season ticket holders. So he's going to say, yeah. how do they do it? Are they going to put it in a ballot? Are they going to say first come, first served? Or... Mel, Mel will have done something. Yeah. Um, Mel will have allowed two and a, two and a half thousand people. The den holds 17,000. Yeah. So that's not a lot in comparison to the size of the ground. They have said it's two and a half thousand season tickets, first come, first served. And there's been up because it begs, it brings in the question, what about the loyalty schemes? Because yeah. if, if the loyalty schemes aren't there to get you um, the best chance of getting a season ticket, what is the point of having them? Now, the way I've understood the loyalty scheme is mm. you get um, priority for home home games if they aren't just season ticket only. Mm. You get priority to away games. And uh, I'm not quite sure what else you get. But mm. that's how I've understood it for the loyalty scheme. Mm. So if fans are expecting that their loyalty points go towards the season ticket, they have to expect that it's not just them that are doing it. Mm. And as frustrating as it is, they're going to have to accept the fact that there is a chance they're not going to get a season ticket. Yeah. I personally mm. would take all the season ticket applications and you put it in a ballot. Mm. That's it. Yeah, I think you, you get told how many. Regardless yeah. of loyalty point schemes, first come, first serve, you put your names into a hat. If your name comes out, you've got a season ticket. Yeah. But then some people and be pissed what, off. What you say is, yeah, well, everyone is. Everyone, so when this COVID finishes, mate, everybody. so let's say you are yeah. had a Millwall season ticket for 10 years, Jacko, and they said, right, this year we're going to have to put it all in a ballot. If you don't get it through, you're not having a season ticket. <clears throat> if, after this COVID's gone and then they decide they're having all fans back, what happens if you can't get that season ticket back and you've had it for 10 plus years? Well, I was about to say this. What you do is you make a list Mm. Of or you keep a record of all of those that have applied for a season ticket, mm. and what you do is you put a deposit down. Mm. Okay, this is after the original ballot has been done. You say that deposit guarantees you a season ticket for the situation where fans can go back. Yeah. If you if it doesn't, and we get to the end of the season, you will have that money refunded. To you. Mm. Therefore, you're guaranteed a season ticket. Yeah. And that, that, to me, is how you do it. You have, to, you have to accept the fact that you are not going to be one of the 2,600 people that are allowed a season ticket. So what the club does, and what I think they should do is a sort of a sweetener of the deal. Say, you put a deposit of £100 on your season ticket. All right, concessions, it's less, mm. say. Mm. Um, we will give you... Um, a 25% discount in the club shop plus I follow, which is the online match day subscription service to watch the games. You get that for the season. Yeah. yeah. And people then make a decision in whether or not they're prepared to take that deposit of a hundred pound or not, or they're going to go now, wait until they come back. Mm. That, that to me is how you have to do it. Yeah, I think you, you have to accept the you have to accept the fact that you're not going to be able to watch your go, the games this season. Everyone has to accept that. I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not a season ticket holder. I'm gutted. I can't go. I really am. Mm. If for if the fact that this is the best way to do mm. it, 
then at least the fans are given something in return for patience and they're guaranteed a season ticket as soon as the season comes off. Mm. What you could do, say, if it's half a season, because I know they do discount for half season tickets come January, you say you get 50 quid of that back. Mm. All right, the club loses out money, but if they get those people in, then they get a chance of getting full price on the season ticket. Mm. It's not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. And, and that, that, to me, is how you do it. If people aren't happy with that at the end mm. of it, then they're going to have to be miserable because there's not a lot. Uh, there's not a lot else that can be done in this situation. No, but this is. But I feel but they the should do it as well, Jacko. As a, as a family first. I mean, if I applied and I've, I don't want to take my lad, I'd, I'd hope they'd put me priority. Well, because I feel they should not deprive kids of football. No, no, I get that. I. I I get that, and and that, and this is where you sort of have to, you have to sort of stipulate. But if, if for example, mm-hmm. if you've bought a season ticket for your kid, and you've got a season ticket as well, if on that basis that you've put deposits down, you're guaranteed season tickets if the crowds come back anyway. Yeah, yeah, true, true. It's only if you're not prepared to give your kid a season ticket, which if you're doing mm-hmm. it is a bit of a bit of an odd way of doing mm. it. Um, but you see what I mean? Mm. If, if you've got, if you've, regardless of, if you say, okay, you've got a stadium of 15,000 people, a mm. thousand or 1,500 of that is for away fans. So you've got 13,500 seats you could potentially mm. fill. You get told maybe 2,000 of those are guaranteed season tickets. Mm. So you've then got Eleven and a half thousand season tickets to potentially sell for however long you've got left. And if, as, as I say, if you do a deposit thing where you say, "Okay, me and my lad want two season tickets," they go, "Yeah, that's fine. We've got two season tickets for you. Here's your, give us your deposit. Once we get information of when the stadium can come back, pay us the rest for your season ticket. There's your season ticket. Off you go." Mm. You're still guaranteed that as long as you're one of the eleven and a half thousand or however many it is mm. that have purchased season tickets. Because guarantee you're not going to get eleven thousand people one season ticket. No, possibly not. No. So there is always an opportunity for that to happen. What would you feel though with uh, if they've done a let away away fans in and you've only got home fans? How do you feel that would yeah. take a toll on your that, side? That, that's fine. If you're not prepared to let away fans in, which I think I don't think any of the clubs will do anyway, that gives you extra seating for those play those those seats. So you've got extra chance for seats. But do you not feel that would take a massive hit on on results and a bit unfair for the uh, away sides? Yeah, you, you touched on this before, mm. but there's not a lot you can do about it mm. because you either have fans in the ground or you don't have fans. Uh, in well, the for one example, mate, if if say your Millwall side was in the FA Cup. You got yeah. drew away to a big Man City team or Man U. You got ten, fifteen thousand United fans in their stadium at home with yeah. no Millwall yeah. fans. It's a bit hard for Millwall to get to get going. Whereas you, you yeah, boys I'm, like Leicester, you've got a big following, and your boys play with your following. Yeah, so it will make a hell of a difference. But, I know, but you have to accept this is the situation that we're going to be in for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to be. It's going to be a case of at one point the fans are going to come. Back. Yeah, when that is, we don't know. 
exactly. But they will come back and then they will get away fans in and it will be, as I say, it will be back to some form of normality. But everyone has to accept the fact that at the moment, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be difficult and it's going to be a case of the clubs are going to want people in the ground to get revenue back up. Yeah. It's not going to be away fans, so the atmosphere is going to take a hit. If you play at home, you've got a good chance of winning at home. But then saying that, mm. Mill had a season where they got they banned all away fans mm. because of what had happened after the Birmingham playoff semi-final. Yeah. We played Port under Harry Redknapp. They had Paul Merson. We got spanked 5-0. And Merson was the best player on the pitch. And Merson actually said this before. Mm. He got a standing ovation by Millwall fans <laughs> at the end of the game. Mm. Now, that to me shows that you're going to have days where even with a home crowd against an away side, you're not going to get a result. Yeah. Whether or not it happens more often than not, then it becomes a case of, is the manager getting the best out of the players? Are the players interested? Mm. Um, but it can, be do- it can be done where away teams can possibly play up to the fact that they have no crowd there. And they have to prove everyone wrong. So, you know, football's not always set out in stone. Mm. Before before the Champions League tournament kicked off, you would have expected Juventus to beat Leon. You would have expected Man, United, uh, Man City to beat Leon. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't. You wouldn't have expected Barcelona to lose eight two to Bayern. No. So. Just because there's away fan, there's no away fans there doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad situation for your team. If, it, for example, it is a cup game and you play away to Man United, there's not a lot you can do about that anyway. And if Mill will get a result, then it goes down in the annals of history. If they don't, it's like, oh, well, it was Man United. And they move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad chance. But you have, to, you have to accept the fact that whichever, whichever way they go with the football... Mm. It's not going to be for everybody's agreements and acceptance and like. Obviously, it's going to depend on how many fans are allowed in due to the size of the stadium as well. I take it. Yeah, yeah, it would be. So, so because some clubs will make more money than others. Yeah, but at least it's some money, and this is what I mean. If 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 there's a chance of opening the gro- the doors up for more people, mm. then you put something in place that you get a chance of getting that more that money. Do you feel more, uh, like the lower leagues uh, teams with less allocations will bump the prices up? If they had any sense, no. Mm. You know, not to because it would drive fans away. Well. Say, but normally 40 but everyone, quid, it, you've got, now got to pay 50 quid for a ticket, Jacko. That, but, yeah, that sort of thing you probably have to deal with. But if you were to bump a season ticket up by 200 quid, that's a farce. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is balance it so that two of you actually pays for three. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you were to have, you know, if you were to have season tickets for 400 quid, go up to 600 quid, and two bought that for 600 quid, you've then bought three season tickets at the original prices. Yeah. And that that is what I wouldn't agree with. If you were going to bump up a match day ticket by five or ten pound, you sort of begrudgingly have to accept the fact that it's going to happen because they need some money in. Mm. But they're not going to have that in the first place because it is just going to be season ticket. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's the best way you can do it, really, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so we've touched quite a bit on that, mate. Um, mm. we're, near, we're doing well for time, mate. We're nearly there at the end of the pod. But um, a quick reminder for the, the listeners again, just um, obviously follow us on Facebook, After Extra Time, mm. email in at afterextratime2020 at gmail.com. And yeah. you can follow us on all podcast sites, i.e. Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, etc., etc. Have we got any more topics to cover, Jacko? Before we shoot off, or... oh, to be fair, I think we've we've managed to get ourselves the time limit we needed with the uh, chat about the COVID and the state of the, the, the tendencies. Yeah, I mean, I feel we've had a good show. I hope everyone enjoys it. We've obviously a late a late discussion with me and Jacko. Um, yeah. Apologies from Jack who couldn't make this week. I'm sure he'll be back for the Facebook Live on Thursday. Dan Pub, that's what yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's down the pub. He's had a few. <laughs> <laughs> He's just waiting for his Sunday roast. <laughs> um, as far as I know, it's Jacko is doing Facebook Live, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I thought it was your week. Yeah, I thought it week. was you. No, I did say it was you, and I thought it was you. Um, so... No, I was just trying to fuck you off so you could do it again. <laughs> so you got Jacko on the Facebook Live this week, followed by Jacko's podcast next week. Um, so that, God knows what it's going to be about. No idea. Whatever it's going to be about. Um, yeah, not much to touch on, like I said. I mean, Jack, are you got to add in, mate? No, um, I've got an idea for, for our pod if we, we cover everything. Decent. But it's going it's to be, be based on the three of us. That's all I'm going to say. Ooh, there we go, listeners. So that's yeah, something to look forward to. Um, and then the quick one. Well, oh, let me let me rephrase that. It's going to be the three clubs we support. I'll, yeah. I'll put it, oh, that's there we go. There we go. That's decent then. So that's something for every Millwall, Leicester, and Derby fan to look forward to. Derby fan. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the rest of the, the eighty-nine league clubs in there. We're not interested. <laughs> um, obviously, we we've touched on SPL this week. We'll try and do a bit more of that. We'll try and do a bit more of other leagues around the world as well. Um, hopefully, once once we get going, we can we can keep an eye on it. Yeah, sure. exactly, mate. And we'll we'll probably try and touch on some women's football as well. Obviously, that's going big now, mate. Again, um, so it'd be nice. Well, to yeah, start. obviously we 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 got uh, a new manager yesterday. Uh, today. Has it has um, it been announced? Has it? Uh, well, uh, if it hasn't, it's not far off. But I'll go through that on Thursday. There anyway. we go. So again, listeners, you Jack will go through it on on Thursday. Um, again, thanks for listening in to me and Jacko this week. Um, please like and share um, the pod. Pass the pod. Pass the hashtag. Pass the pod. Yeah. And Jacko, this is our tenth episode, mate. I wanted to touch on this. I know, right? How good? I know. That's uh, a nice little milestone to get through. Mm. The fact that I've managed to sit through ten episodes with you is quite amazing. I think. <laughs> no comeback, mate. I ain't got a comeback. <laughs> but no, it's it's great, mate. I mean, from where we started from to where we are now, I think it's been excellent, mate. And uh, I've enjoyed doing it. I quite like the fact that the first pod it was just me and you, and for the tenth pod it's just me and you again. Yeah, nice little uh, it, romanticising. It is, isn't it? I and I mean, it's uh, kept me and Jacko on our toes, watching football and talking. And uh, again, if anyone's struggling yeah. out there and they want to join in, feel free to drop Jacko a message on email or Facebook or sure, yeah. I'm sure we can help you out and get you on and you can have a chat with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, apologies as also from Mark Beard. Um, he could make tonight's mm. session, um, but we will get him on in future reference. I think he might be on yeah. uh, after extra time live, Jacko, if I can. 
Well, hopefully so. I, I reckon it was because you said, um, sorry, Beardy, Jacko's a massive Millwall fan. He's going to bore everyone to death talking about it. Can you just say that you can't make it this week and we'll try again when he's not available? Well, that was part of it. I also said, um, uh, Beardy, sorry, mate, but Jack, the Derby fan's uh, the, the host this week. And then he changed his mind. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, mate, we'll, we'll leave the pod there. Hope everyone's well. Hope everyone's safe. Hope you enjoyed tonight's uh, pod and it's been a pleasure Jacko to be with you again mate on the 10th pleasure as always mate good stuff thanks for listening to After Extra Time I'm your host Greeny and uh, also me have a host Mr Jackson thank you very much everyone speak to you or hear from you soon cheers take care Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.